Look at all my social. You know what? Pull up Mike Corzembo, Luka Doncic right now, and literally it says, "Meet the best prospects since LeBron James." Boom. He called you Captain yeah. Hines. <laughs> yeah, but you. Yeah, but you're also the person that said, "Meet Lonzo Ball, Steph Curry with a 50 inch." That vertical. was you. So like, it was 40. That was you. I, I, all right, Mike. You want to run? You want to go through 40. your videos? Let's go through your news videos. No, 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 no. We don't, we're not doing this. Yeah, we're not, yeah, doing, we're exactly, not doing this. Exactly. Um. All right, exactly. <laughs> What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Lace Up Podcast. This is podcast number eight, guys. We're almost there. We're almost at number 10. Today, we are talking NBA playoffs. We are talking Los Angeles Lakers. We are talking Golden State Warriors. We're talking the downfall of the Miami Heat and the future of players like Steph Curry and Kawhi Leonard. So, Mike, I think we want to throw this to you right away. As the residential Lakers fan of this podcast, how are you feeling? You know, man, I don't know what it is. I, I went outside today, and for some reason, everything was black and white. Um, my coffee didn't taste the same. Food doesn't taste the same. I just don't know what it is. You know, was it the fact that Anthony Davis shot 5 of 16 in game one? Is it the fact that, I don't know, we lost to the Phoenix Suns? I'm kind of concerned here, but then I remember the fact that we lost probably like each and every game one in our playoff run to the NBA championship last year and starting to come around. How are you guys doing today? I'm I'm, I'm great. Uh, thanks for asking. You know, uh, every day the Lakers lose, you know, I feel I feel a little better. So, you know, if, if we get we could get some more of those going, you know, I'm going to be feeling great by the by the end of the week. But uh, how about you, Krizimba? How are you doing right now, man? Dude, I'm doing good. Um, I'm loving the playoffs so far. I'm loving what I'm seeing. I, I want to talk some Bucks later on because if you guys remember, I kind of semi-hyped up the Bucks headed into the playoffs. You know, I think I even said maybe around podcast four or five that I was going to pick the Bucks to win the Eastern Conference. We never made our official picks. I'm very excited about that. But I'm also excited because tonight we are watching the Los Angeles Lakers and the Los Angeles Clippers both play some very important basketball games, all right? And also, wait, also, wait, before that, I would like to also say, you know, I took some flack, I I took some hate for my Andre Drummond take, where I said he could end up being a negative asset on the floor. He could end up, he just might not fit with the Lakers. It just might not work out. And you know what, Andre Drummond, you might be costing yourself a lot of money. I said all of that, podcast number one. You know what? Game one, game one, I'm not going into a huge overreaction, but looking at the stats, and I've got some stats. I've got some stats screenshotted right now on my phone because my laptop broke because I've dropped it on the floor 40 times. Um, Anthony Davis plays horrible right now at the four, and that is something that the Lakers are going to really need to figure out because when he's at the five, that's when they're at their best. And so I don't know what they do about Andre Drummond. I don't know if like how happy he's going to be playing spot minutes basically as Anthony Davis's backup if that's what it comes to. So I want to say this right now, Lake Lakers fans, obviously, you know, I love the Lakers. Um I just love the Suns more because I'm a Pelicans fan. Um you, know, you love the Lakers? Yeah, yeah, the Lakers are cool with me, man. They're cool with me, man. They got our our old friends. Guys, Coop player. just does not want LeBron any James. Hype. I mean, come Coop on. Coop does I can't not get want any LeBron, hate. Bro. What'd you say? You don't want any hate, bro. No, I've been hyping the. If you go to my channel, I you hype just the said, Lakers. So Coop just much. said I'm a fan of the, the Lakers 
the Suns and the Pelicans in one set. Well, hold on, the hold Suns on. Have Who got co- leg- The Suns have our head coach. The, the Suns have our old head coach, yeah. Chris Paul. The greatest player in our franchise's existence. Every single team has a member of the Bulls on it that is playing better than they played on the Bulls. All right? So I don't want to hear it. I'm but, not a fan of that. that's different. Team. Y'all aren't the Pelicans. <laughs> like, oh, my different. God. We basically have been. No, no, no. What were you going to say, Flight Mike? No, yeah, I was about to say you have a legitimate reason to be a Suns fan. Exactly. They pretty much have they have your core from ten years ago. Dude, so I, it makes a lot of yo, sense. You know what? I, so you could pull up a tweet from me. I said I was, you know, a Suns fan. Suns were my Western Conference team. I said it about five years ago. I quote tweeted it in about in this January of this year. Suns are my Western Conference team, baby. So I don't know Suns about you, Mike, but you. this feels like a nasty bandwagon attempt. This just no, feels- bro. It, it, I, dude. I mean, bro, Corzemba's been through nothing but pain over the past decade. I love him. Yeah, man, you right. want to be a Laker fan, Corzemba? Dude, I'm not. Right. Uh, dude, I'm a, a Bulls fan. I'm a Bulls fan till, till the death of me. But I'm just saying that I did say that if I were rooting for one team in the West, it would be the Suns. I love Devin Booker. I said that five years ago, and I've stuck with that take. You can look through my tweets. I have never. So, do you have a tweet like every year hyping Devin Booker and being like, I'm a Suns fan? Or was it just five years ago? Because no, I'm pretty Dev- sure I have five years. I'm pretty sure I have a tweet every year about the title winner. So I just like to claim those two while we're here. All right. Well, I definitely have a bunch of tweets. We could, uh, you know what? We could pull them up later. Uh, I'm positive. You guys seem like trustworthy people. So I'm just going to take your word for that. I don't trust Coop. I do not trust him. You, what do you mean you don't trust Coop? <laughs> Dude, what you got heck did I do? Dude, I don't know. So I, 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 I did want to give Corzemba. Okay. I, 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 hold on. I, I, hold on. Hold on. I dig the mustache coop, but I want to give Corzemba his props because he came in here very first pod. He roasted the Drummond signing. We all bagged on him. The comment section bagged on him. Hell, I sent my YouTube channel's comment section to bag on him, and he ended up being right. The Lakers are in a bit of a situation here. Dion. So no, no. So far, there needs to be an adjustment made here. So of course. Drummond as your starting five against a Phoenix Suns team that has a traditional center at the center position. No bueno, not the move. Anthony Davis clearly doesn't work at the four position whenever the uh, whenever the key is like clogged up as a result of Andre Drummond and DeAndre Ayton doing their thing. So if you ask me as a Laker fan, the thing I'm looking for tonight is a completely different lineup. Andre Drummond, it's time for you to hit the bench at least for this series. Your time is going to come. If you want to win a ch- if you want to win a championship, this is the sacrifice you have to make. I want to see Anthony Davis at the 5, Kyle Kuzma potentially at the 4 so he can stretch the floor a little bit. That big that big I don't think- donut from Kyle Kuzma in game 1. Yeah, oh, of 2 from the Yeah. And hey, wait, wait, wait. Who did Mike say he drafted him over? What was it? Who's oh yeah, five? yeah. That was a wild take, Mike. I'm not going <laughs> to yeah. lie. Yeah. Like Mike. Who did I say I was going to draft him over? him over? It was what, Colin Sexton? Or you take him over John else. Collins. Oh, John Collins. John Collins. Yeah, yeah, it was John Collins, bro. Dude, I, want, I don't want to bag on Mike. He just had my back with Andre Drummond. I kind of want to bag on Mike, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to let him slide. I just want to add on that I do agree. I think Korzimba did make some great points about Drummond. Um, I, I thought we had great points, too. Uh, one of my points was, when we were talking Drummond, was that you know he's going to have some series that are in his favor. This might not be one of those series. I think Flight Mike is, is right. You know, I would love to see AD play the five a little more. But I mean, even with Drummond in the game, you know, I know the spacing isn't great. 
I, I want to see AD take advantage of Jay Crowder. You know, I know they're sending help uh, from DeAndre Ayton. Uh, I, I know that, you know, like, again, the spacing's not great. But I don't think Andre Drummond playing is an excuse for Anthony Davis to play as poorly as he did. Um, all in all, I just think AD has to play a more complete game. Even Anthony Davis agrees that, you know, he, he could play better and he's fully capable of playing with Drummond. So he said he was horrible. Yeah, he said, he, you know what? Yeah. I always I always appreciate when guys are like that loss is on me. Boom. You know, simple as that because he did play horribly. Now, my whole thing with Anthony Davis is I, I don't I'm not going to go out and rule out and say that the Andre Drummond, Anthony Davis thing can't work out. It's just for some reason, Anthony Davis, which actually kind of makes sense because we all know about Anthony Davis's huge growth spurt during high school. You know, so he kind of has a little bit of a guard in a big man mentality, and he doesn't like playing the five. This is we've known this forever. Anthony Davis has never liked playing the five. In order to keep Anthony Davis happy, you basically have to load your roster with centers so that he doesn't play the five. You know, you've, we've seen Marcus All, Andre Drummond, Montres Harrell. The Lakers have a bunch of centers so that Anthony Davis doesn't play the five, which makes no sense because let's just I have numbers right here actually. All right. Makes no sense because as we all know, I don't even really need to say these numbers. Anthony Davis is best at the five. All right. 2020 regular season, Anthony Davis at the four, Lakers net rating plus 8.3. Davis at the five, Lakers net rating plus 15.8. Okay. They literally become championship worthy, championship best team with Anthony Davis at the five. This year's regular season, all right, Anthony Davis at the four, plus 4.9 net rating. All right, Anthony Davis at the five, plus 16.9, even better than last year's postseason. But you know what the problem is? This year during the regular season, Anthony Davis played 10% of his minutes at the center position, 10%. That is a problem. That is something that needs to be fixed in the postseason. And it's something with his mentality, man. I don't know what goes on, but suddenly he ends, he starts acting like he's a shooting guard or something. Starts spotting up a lot more, starts trying to, he just doesn't do what makes him an incredible, amazing basketball player. He just stops doing it. And well, I think it's a, go ahead. I was Luke. just going to say, and believe it or not, um, I don't have the stats right in front of me, but Anthony Davis isn't a great deep shooter. He's not a great shooter from distance at all. Last year's bubble run was an anomaly. I think he shot like 40% from the three point line, like 50% on um, uh, free throw line jumpers extended. But uh, when it comes to AD at the five, I don't think it's like I don't think that's the simple solution for this series, because I think DeAndre Ayton poses a significant problem for AD at the five. AD, uh, DeAndre Ayton is bigger than Davis. He's stronger than Davis. Uh, he's an improved post defender. You know, a lot of his defensive work hasn't gotten talked about enough since he's came into the league. He's completely changed his game for the Phoenix Suns like he is not the same player since entering the league you know everybody viewed him as a defensive liability he's no longer that I, I actually think he has a solid shot to ma continue matching up and guarding Davis one-on-one -on -one. and if you're the Lakers are you just going to let Davis continue to take that beating from De uh from DeAndre Ayton or are you going to play Mark Gasol or are you going to try to continue to get Drummond involved like what what's the answer for them there so, first of all, I disagree with you on DeAndre Ayton having Anthony Davis's number defensively. You know, maybe in that first game he did, 
but I don't necessarily think that's officially set in stone that DeAndre Ayton is going to consistently destroy Anthony Davis defensively because that's not necessarily what DeAndre Ayton's known for, at least not up until this point. Maybe this He's gotten a lot better. His that. defensive numbers are great. No, we right? have to remember, we have to remember here, remember Mike hates DeAndre Ayton, all right? Just he as much as does? you love oh. Julius Randle, Mike hates DeAndre Ayton. Remember? I don't hate him. Directly DeAndre compared Aiden. him to Andre Drummond and said DeAndre Ayton. I did was compare him to Andre Drummond. Drummond. Oh, did. Yeah, remember, I did compare him to Andre this. Drummond. Okay, yes, please remember. I did. This. You did. You did compare. Yeah. Him to I, I did compare him to Andre Drummond, unless, 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 and I think he can eventually at some point in his career, at, until he is able to develop a consistent jump shot, which I think he has the potential Dude, to do Clint so. Dude, Capella and does not have a consistent jump shot, and he still yeah, he's, is a great. He's like he's not a great player. He's not a jump shot away. Yeah, yeah. not every yeah, center yeah. needs a jump shot. Like, yeah, would it make I'm, him better? I'm of saying, course, but like, I'm, he the what he does is great. I'm saying at this stage of his career. At this stage of his career, I'm not comparing him to Andre Drummond now. I'm I'm comparing him to like Andre Drummond at the height of his powers, and that's more of a. But the NBA was different anything. back then, so yeah. like, so like Andre Drummond at the height of I'm his like, powers. Like 2016, when you could. I mean, yeah, like 2015, 20, 20, yeah, back then, yeah, 2016. I guess. I mean, I mean, it still was right, like fair. it's still it, the NBA is evolving, evolving, evolving that point you know Andre Drummond's becoming more and more of that dinosaur type player I don't want to rag on him too much you know he gets you to Andre Drummond first of all has a reputation of putting up the most hollow stats that's I don't want to hate on him too much he could give you quality spot minutes for sure at the center position but the difference between him and DeAndre Aiden is DeAndre Aiden is able to you know play 30 35 36 minutes and put up a huge contribution a potentially, you know, game-winning contribution in game one. The man was talked about all over the place. He was incredibly impressive. And he surprised a lot of people. So, you know, I'm not saying anything really against you even comparing him to Andre Drummond because if you were reading the comments, you know, post-game Reddit threads, uh, you know, social media, everyone was like, oh, damn, DeAndre Aiden came to play. And that's going to be, uh, you know, a huge X factor going forward. Is DeAndre Aiden going to keep playing the way he's playing? Is he going to, you know, be that number one pick that he was uh, and, you know, get that kind of, are they going to get that kind of contribution for him? Or is Anthony Davis, you know, going to just start smacking him? Because the last time Anthony Davis, I saw this stat too, the last time Anthony Davis had such a poor shooting game, like, you know, like around 30% shooting, whatever, was against Portland in game one. And then he proceeded to uh, average around 33 points per game the rest of the series and shot over 60% and just smoked the Blazers. So we'll see. You know, this could just be game so, one overreactions. So I do think it's a game one or overreaction. It happens all the time. Yeah. If, there's, if there's one thing I noticed from last year's playoff run, and I understand, you know, different circumstances, Disney World, LeMickey, Mickey Mouse Ring, whatever. But last year, what I... A Disney, 80s. I, this is the first time I heard of A Disney. I thought that was really creative. But the one thing I noticed the most was the Lakers would do something in game one. It clearly wouldn't work. 
they would make the appropriate adjustment. And Frank Vogel just has proven to me historically that he is remarkable at making those adjustments. As to what Korzemba is saying about Drummond, I think it's important to remind everyone, this isn't a max contract player. You know, this is a guy that we signed for the vet minimum. He could potentially be starter caliber. He could potentially not be starting caliber. Something else that I want to point out to you guys is Marc Gasol didn't play at all in game one, zero minutes. Montrez Harrell played, <clears throat> Montrez Harrell played 15 minutes, Drummond played 19 minutes, Davis played 14 minutes, and Gasol played nothing. So yesterday at practice, as a matter of fact, Andre Drummond even hinted that there's gonna be a big lineup change. And this is, uh, this is his exact quote, a lot of rationalization here, but he said, I think with the big lineup, we just didn't have enough time to work on it. So something that we're just kind of throwing out there with little time and little experience. And I think we're doing a good job of figuring out, figuring it out on the fly, despite us being in the playoffs right now. Obviously lineup changes are going to happen and we're going to do whatever it takes to win. So it's just feeling it out and what's best for the team. Doesn't sound like, doesn't sound like Andre Drummond's really stamping his feet, complaining that he might not start. We'll so see, man. When it comes he's, like, to... he's looking for a bag. That's all I'm saying, looking for a bag. When it comes to AD and and, um, and DeAndre Ayton, I don't want to make it seem like I think DeAndre Ayton's going to lock up AD. I think AD's bouncing back for sure. Um, I'm just saying that if DeAndre Ayton continues playing at this level, then I think the Lakers are in trouble. And as long as DeAndre Ayton continues to make life tough for Anthony Davis, I think the Lakers are going to have a lot of problems going forward. Um, also, we got to talk Bron. We're going to do that in a second, I'm sure. But uh, And Br I would when like it comes to talk Bridges with Bron. When it comes to AD, how many times in the playoffs has he gone up against somebody that has similar size, um, similar length, is as is as athletic and as mobile as Aiton? And I mean, like, like that's just that's just tough to go against if you're AD because um, surely every time uh, he's he's played most of the times he's played somebody in the playoffs, you know, he's always had some sort of advantage on them. Whereas when it comes to eight, and I feel like he does a good job of at least giving him a shot. So honestly, I can't really, it's really hard for me to comment on it because so far we're only one game in. And I believe that the Lakers are very dependent on their ability to make adjustments. So hopefully I'm right about this and hopefully we see something different tonight. Um, but as to now, I can't answer that this pod. I could potentially answer that next pod. That's, uh, that. yeah. So what did you, what do you want to say about, I agree. I, th I think we were all talked out with this. Like, I think there's only so much we can say. We'll see what happens. Well, we'll see if AD, you know, rebounds, but I do want to, uh, what did you want to say about Bron? Well, when it comes to Bron, I feel like he's been doing so much for this Lakers team for so long that when he has like an average game, people are like, oh, no, the sky is falling. What's going on with LeBron James? Um, contrary to popular popular belief, I actually felt like he had a very solid game one. And um, I, I think I've heard comments from Fogel or, or players on the Lakers that. Uh, you know, his ankle is still bothering him. Now, we know historically Bron hasn't always put uh, the best game one on paper. I'm interested to see what happens going forward with LeBron James, because I think, you know, obviously he's going to be an X factor for this series, but I'm not sure the Lakers have shown me the ability to create offense outside of him just yet in these playoffs. 
which is yeah that's big with dennis schroeder going forward but then also to me that's kind of a thing it's like you know everyone rags on the heat understandably for the right now with tyler hero and james harden you know like it's like okay look the heat you know i saw mike you even tweeted about it and it was you know they could have got james harden for tyler hero how could they not give him up taylor horton tucker played seven minutes in this playoff game the Lakers were not willing to give him up. They're looking for a future piece there. But is that going to come back to bite them? Because, yeah, Mike, you're right. They do. They are coop. Uh, you know, they are having problems creating offense. And they could have had Kyle Lowry. They could have had someone. I think that could end up being like a little mini what if. What if they had ended up pulling the trigger and making that trade? Because they refused to include him in a trade. So here's the go for it. I, I'm sorry, Mike. I was just going to say, and, you know, this is also probably another bad take but with lebron 36 going on 37 and uh coming off this ankle injury i really like the rotation of of perimeter defenders that the suns have to throw at uh lebron james that yeah that's why i wanted to talk about bridges because dude bridges i mean you got to give it to him he's he's on an island sometimes a, a decent amount against lebron he's yeah, more than holding yeah. his own he is more than holding his own as a young player like the Suns, like they missed on a lot of draft picks, a ton of draft picks. We could go back, you know, oh, they had yeah. Marquise Chris, they had guys like that, Alex Len. They kept missing. They kept missing until suddenly they stopped missing. Suddenly now, you know, they had a change in the front office and boom, you got guys like Bridges, you got guys like Aiden, of course, Booker, but then you got guys, you know, Cam Johnson and made pickups like Crowder. They got made a pickup Chris Paul campaign even coming in the thing with their perimeter defenders is that these guys can shoot too these guys yeah. aren't liabilities on the offensive built side a of the basketball solid team dude they built a solid team and if this was not LeBron and the Lakers like they'd be getting so much more respect people are just going like LeBron Lakers oh okay you know the general average NBA fan is going to be and it, it makes sense you know until LeBron proves us wrong until he does get bounced you know you're gonna look at lebron to make you know make a run make the nba finals but this suns team is legit and uh i saw i keep pulling up things that i saw today but i saw today net, net rating wise suns i think are easily the hardest first round opponent that lebron has ever faced unsurprisingly because he's a seven seed but they are the hardest first round opponent he's ever faced and it's gonna be tough i wanted to uh make a comment as to you know, the construction of the Phoenix Suns because they were placed in really bad situations in the NBA draft. Like they missed on their 2016 pick, which was Dragon Bender, their third, uh, which was their fourth pick, the 13th pick in that draft, which was Giorgios Papianis. And um, they also missed on Josh Jackson. And I think they, I think that's about it. They had, yeah, I think that's about it. Mar oh, Marquis Chris. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Oh, Georgia's Papaganis was traded. Alex Len, I mean, Alex Len, I really... So, I'll forgive them for Alex Len. I'll forgive them for Dragon Bender. I'll also forgive them for Josh How? Jackson. Because if you remember... Top Al five picks, right? Top seven I'm, picks. I'm, I'm, about to, I'm about to tell you. I'm about to tell you. Who were they supposed to draft instead of Alex Len? I mean, what draft, draft was that? Look at the 2000... The 2013 NBA draft. That was, you know, who went before Alex Len? Like, this is the draft that that went Anthony Bennett, Victor Oladipo, Otto Porter, Cody Zeller, Alex Len. 
there then there wasn't a like this was like a all role player draft. No, you know, no, like, no, 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 no. Up until Giannis no, and up no, until no. the only CJ McCollum, bro. You, you calling CJ a role player? Uh, I was high on CJ too. I wanted CJ to go to the Pelicans. All right, fair. I mean, yeah, I guess you make I guess you make a point, but it, that was just a I'll give I'm you that draft relative to most other drafts. I'll give you that draft. So what about yeah. 27? But the, here's the, the thing 26. is, like, I'll give you that that draft, but I'll say that when it becomes such a pattern in history of missing, then you don't then it's just it combines, you know, it's like, OK, you miss in 2013. Like, I'll give some yeah, teams a pass in that draft. But the Suns, like when you combine how bad they were drafting at that time, it's hard to give them a pass. I'll also Even say, like I'm sorry, uh, no, nah, you got this one, Mike. I keep cutting you off. No, no, you got it. You got it. You I would have taken. I would have rather taken Nerlens Noel, and it got, had a chance on him. Yeah, Nerlens had a lot of hype back then too. I, I'll say this though. Um, I think a lot of people give people give teams passes for you know, uh, not having like the greatest pool of players to pick from. But you don't have to sit there and make that pick. Like, if you're sitting there and you're a GM and you're like, man, I don't like anything available, you could trade the pick. There's nothing wrong with trading the picks, even though uh, I know a lot of GMs have gotten hate for trading picks in the past. Uh, I, I really don't see an issue with it. 2016, they drafted Dragon Bender and Marquise Chris. I guess um, that was uh, the trade with Papianis that I was mentioning earlier. But after Dragon Bender, the only player that made an All Star team was the 11th pick, Demata Sabonis. Then the 27th pick, um, which is tough because they took two bigs over him. Bro, you're kind of yeah. Sleep, you're sleeping on Buddy then, Hill, who's actually been a little rough. Hold on, I was also, about to. I, I was. A, I was about to say they could have drafted or Buddy Jamal, Murray? Or Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray, or, yeah, or or, Jamal or Murray. Karis LeVert. So okay, very fair points here, and they were really. I remember that draft actually. You guys make a good point. I remember that draft very well, and Suns fans were livid that they weren't selecting a point guard. So you guys are right. Um, I guess. Uh, uh, this is kind of the reason why I've always given them a pass for selecting Aiton over Luca, because you get to the 2018 NBA draft and you're getting to that territory where, OK, you've had Devin Booker for three years. You know, you have about seven years to prove to your star player that, hey, um, we're a good franchise. We know what we're doing. Please don't leave. So you get to the 2018 draft and then you have the presumptive like safe pick, which is DeAndre Ayton. And then you have the super boomer bust picks and Trey Young and Luka Doncic. I don't think Luka was. And they already Luka was never boomer bust. What are you talking about? He was the youngest Euroleague MVP. He was dominating grown men since he was yeah. 16. What do you mean? I'm, I mean, yeah, it's easy. I'll to, say it's easy to play Captain Hindsight. Dude, here, Captain Hindsight. Look at literally, there were so many people were that that were on the road. You look at all my social media. Look at all my social. You know what? Pull up Mike Corzembo, Luka Doncic right now, and literally it says, "Meet the best prospects since LeBron James." Boom. He called you Captain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you, yeah, but you're also the person that said, "Meet Lonzo Ball, Steph Curry with the 50 inch." That vertical. was you. So like, it was 40. That was you. I, I, all right, Mike. You want to run? You want to go through 40. your videos? Let's go through your news videos. No, 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 no. We don't, we're not doing this. Yeah, we don't, yeah, have, to, we don't exactly, have to do this. Exactly. Um, <laughs> all right, exactly. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, I'm saying right, it's easy right. to look at the top of the draft and hype up the top players in the draft. What I'm saying is, in this scenario, if you're the Phoenix Suns, you missed on a foreign prospect already in Dragon Bender. You missed on Josh Jackson. You missed on multiple drafts. I don't even get your point, up. though. What's Everyone, your point here? We No one is arguing that they made a bad pick. You created okay. a, your own narrative. Okay. 
Okay. Zumba, I just got a okay. question for you. I just got a question for you. When you made that Lonzo Ball video, how bought in were you? How bought in was I? How bought in was how, everyone? Yo, Guess what? No, I, I made that video. You. I didn't ask about everybody. I'm not talking to everybody. Oh no, I was Mike loving. Kuzimba. I was loving Lonzo. I was loving Lonzo. I'll admit that fully. But okay, also, so you so you believed it. You believed it. I, yes, I believed fair, it. Fair. I believed it. And I will also say though, well, I mean that was clickbait. That's the one thing that I will 100% say. You know, sometimes like you know, you make titles that are you know click like that are attention grabbing. All right. That's what I'll say other than clickbait. That one, that was too far. Way too far. Should not have said it. Should not have said Steph Curry, the 14-inch vertical. That was too far. That is. I don't know, I, man. I don't know, man. It got How many views did that video end up getting? It only has. It, I, I mean, think that was iconic. It has. Yeah, whatever. Regardless. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's my meme. So that's great. But That's one of my um, favorite videos. Yeah, it's that. funny. But I will say, though, I will say, though, it took like two years for the tide to turn on that video. And I would love to also say that, you know what? I will take all the hate in the world for it because I made the video and I should not have titled it that because I was way too far, but a ridiculous title. title. It was a, yeah, I mean, it was definitely hilarious. I, I, I love but, it, yeah. But regardless, every, I will say probably 90% of the people that hate on that video now or that like post that, that you know, screenshot or say like, oh, but is he Lonzo with the 48 circle? But every one of those people were commenting Yo, dude, Lonzo's next Steph Curry. Everyone. That video got such an overwhelming positive response. People were tweeting me, thanking me for putting them onto Lonzo Ball, which seems ridiculous, but a lot of NBA guys don't watch basketball, uh, college basketball like that. People were literally tweeting me going, dude, I've watched the last like three UCLA games. Lonzo's incredible. Literally, that whole rest of the season, like Lonzo crushing it. He did get outplayed by De'Aaron Fox in the NCAA tournament. But oh, yeah. then Lonzo, if you remember correctly, he won Summer League MVP. He came in that rookie season, won Summer League MVP. Everyone was like, dude, oh my God, perfect. And then the tide completely turned on me eventually. I'll, I'll tell you why it's quite possibly like my favorite title to a video ever. And this is coming from a guy that was at UCLA during the Lonzo Ball era. And this is before I started creating basketball content myself. So I was only consuming it at the time. And when I saw the title and the reason I really appreciated the title is you pretty much encapsulated like Lonzo mania and the hype behind Lonzo in one title. Like four years later, it's easy to say, ha ha hurt the dirt. Lonzo ball. Wasn't that like is a good player, but you know, he's just a solid role player. He's not Steph Curry with the 40 inch vertical, but back then everyone was going nuts over this guy, you know, everyone. And the best way to encapsulate the hype behind him is in that title that you made. So Agreed. that's why I personally love. Thanks. Yeah, it's people won't understand. You have to be there. The the like the hate that I get from it or whatever, you know, at this point, it's just funny. But, you know, I definitely went too far. Um, But like, yeah, like, I mean, back in the day, Lonzo was throwing down dunks. You know, he would have he would get up. He would catch oops. He would they would literally throw him lobs. He was catching oops. So the 40 inch vertical part was there. And if you look. Dude made 41% of his threes at UCLA, knocked down about two and a half a game. You know, he he was doing great things. It's just, it did not work, translate to the NBA. He got here, oh. 
I've never seen such celebrity. And I don't think people realize the celebrity that Lonzo had. It's probably the craziest celebrity I've ever seen from a college player. I think it's even comparable to LeBron James coming out of high school because this is a guy that was so hyped up that he literally said, yeah, I'm not signing with a brand. You know, I'm coming out with my own brand. We're coming out with our own shoes. Oh, by the way, we have a reality show that's pretty much the Kardashians of basketball. If you guys want to watch us on Facebook, you have his dad that is like the king of grabbing headlines. I've never seen a guy trend like that. It's very comparable to what I saw when I was like 10 years old in 2003 from LeBron James. Although obviously they're not the same player, but the hype was very, very similar. I wish, I wish we could give Lakers Lonzo this Lonzo's jump shot. I don't know what happened, but I feel like I just feel like he's like a different player now and that's fine i feel like he has like a different mindset but i feel like lakers lonzo is like just so much more aggressive so much more fun to watch maybe it's the coaches you know maybe they've gotten in his head but uh, yeah i would agree uh yeah i mean maybe also like going to la was too much too soon there's the lights were a little too bright um you know for a young point guard especially with magic sitting there being like he's you know don't break all my records I mean, it's like you're fucking magic johnson are you actually kidding me right now uh ridiculous statement to make but um yeah but so uh i agree with coop though dude freaking lonzo if you go back to those summer league games you go back to early lonzo man was aggressive man had all the confidence in himself in the world I mean, there was a reason his playmaking was like one of those things that was so hyped up. It was like, including by me too, like it was, you know, his playmaking, his ability to see the floor was incredible. And we don't see that as much anymore with the Pelicans. We don't no, see it. It feels like it regressed. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see. Maybe we'll see that with the Chicago Bulls. I hope so, man. I hope so. I really hope so. Yeah. Um, I honestly think that. I really am glad that LeBron came to the Lakers, even though I wasn't a LeBron fan at the time, because the Lakers were pretty much becoming like the NBA version of the Dallas Cowboys. They literally just drafted Lonzo Ball because they thought it would just make a good story. I remember them posting a picture on their Twitter of him in a Lakers practice jersey saying, this just looks right. Do you think that's true like, though? What do you mean it looks right? Do you think that's true though? You really think they took him for the, for the story? I mean, it's the Lakers. Magic Johnson came out and said it here um, that um, the Lakers literally just took it for the story. I don't know. That's kind of hard to believe. So that sounds like revision. Yeah. That sounds like revision. Yeah, here, history. here, here. That sounds like they here. they fully did believe in him, but now they're being like kind of like, oh, we were swept up in the story. I mean, he, to be fair, oh. Alonzo was crushing it, dude. He was a freaking. He was literally the top top ten prospect. Went to UCLA and was first team All American. Like it's not like he let it's me, not like he underachieved at, in college. Let me uh, cite this correctly. Bill Oram, a Hornets beat writer for the Athletic, give, said that the reason why Magic Johnson selected Lonzo Ball was because it was looked at from Magic and others' perspective as being too good of a Hollywood story to pass up. This has to work out because it's a perfect story because it's Hollywood. That's so it wasn't it didn't come out of um, Magic's mouth. And he continues to say, you have the most storied franchise and the franchise's most storied player, arguably proclaiming this guy to be the next big thing. And for some reason, he said, wow, at the end. So it seems like the Lakers were trending down a very dark path at that time. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, uh, who who was making the decisions though? It wasn't Magic. Mad was magic he actually making it though? Back- yeah, it was more. It was, I, I think it was Rob yeah, and just Magic Robert. was like the face because yeah. Rob wasn't really the best at doing press conference back then. Press conferences back then. Like he came off as a little most Laker fans like back then didn't like how he came up and he would give these like stories like these religious stories and some were even exposed as being fake. So he wasn't I'm assuming he wasn't really good with the media and that's why. But I wanted to ask you guys, I don't know if you saw tonight's game against the Clippers with the Clippers and the Mavericks is on at the same time as the Lakers game versus the Suns. Which why? I don't know why. Why? Like, like, oh yeah, I don't understand why. All Laker fans will watch the Clipper game and root against the Clippers. Like, I can say that. I can attest to that. But we have to discuss the Clippers situation against the Dallas Mavericks because both LA teams are down 0 and 1 so far. So, Corzemba, do you want to start us off here? Well, I'll I'll go out and say, you know, last pod, me and Coop, uh, I asked Coop. Like, where would you rank Luca as a playoff player last year? And he was like, oh, top five for sure. You know, and it's, it's you know, back to the same old thing. It looks like game one. I mean, Mavericks score 113 points. Luca with a 31 point, 11 assists, 10 rebound. The guy is capable of carrying a playoff team in a way that few players are able to carry a playoff team success-wise. You know, I trust Luca so much come playoff time. I think he just crushes it. He spread the ball around well with his starters. The the Mavericks didn't get much off their bench. But I would say what's most important with the Clippers is who, like, they've got Paul George. They've got Kawhi Leonard. Who else do they have, you know? Does it feel like this team is just worse than last year? Like, no, no, no. I, I actually it doesn't? Like I kind of, I don't really love them. I, I like them. I like them. I think they bounced back game two. I think uh, Luka carried hard game one, but I think people aren't giving the role players enough love. I mean, we look at the stat sheet. We got uh, Finney Smith with 18. Kristaps was horrible. Kristaps was horrible. I don't know what that was from Kristaps. Uh, you got to think he's going to come back and play a better game. Go ahead. Is that the terrifying part, though? Like, Kristaps was horrible, and the Mavericks still won. I don't know how much Kristaps moves the needle for them, to be honest. So, uh, like, they've played fine without Kristaps all season. The thing with Kristaps is when he's not scoring, he, like, hurts you on the basketball court. Like, you know, there are plenty of players that when they don't score, they still, you know, they put their head down. They play better defense. They get grab rebounds. They create for their teammates. Kristaps, it really feels like when he doesn't score well, like, he kind of just gets in his own head, and he just isn't as impactful as a player as you'd want him to be. Have you seen him try to defend on the perimeter? He's got to be top five worst in the league. I love Chris Stapps, but he's so bad laterally. It's bad. It's an automatic blow by. Yeah, it's obviously not his fault, but I mean, it's an issue nonetheless. I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, like, I again, you know, could be overreactions. You never know. There always are overreactions game one. But just what I saw from the Clippers um, was I was kind of worried just about the help that's surrounding Kawhi and Paul George. And, you know, who knows? Maybe Morris drops like 30 this night. I mean, tomorrow, tonight, maybe Batum goes off. But we'll see. So to continue what I was saying, Brunson had a 15, 4 of 7. Um, The Clippers role players played a great game. 
Uh, we go to, we go, I mean, uh, the Mavericks role players played a great game. We go to the Clippers, man, and, and I like their lineup and I like their versatility. And I love the fact that we should be seeing Kawhi Leonard on Luka Doncic this upcoming game, according to Tyrone Lou. This is what Lou said. So that's something that I'm looking forward to. But when we look at the Clippers again, I like their versatility. Um, Morris Sr. is versatile. Uh, Zubox a good defender. Patrick Beverly is a little overrated, but, you know, he brings energy on defense. Obviously, I like Paul George as a defender. I like Batum's length. I think he's a knockdown shooter when he's going. I like Ibaka, obviously. Rondo's going to hit his playoff form eventually. Reggie Jackson's a good bench piece. I like their team. I like the, their team. I, I feel like they got a lot of versatility. I feel like they got a lot of pieces. Um, I don't know. I guess we'll see. I, I, mean, I, I like their chances to bounce back. I, I really do. I, I Also, it's concerning to me. Their, their minutes that they played, if you look, like it looks like Dallas has their, they have their guys figured out. You know, they have their top seven. So I got a question for you, Quizim, but I got a question for you. If you're the Clippers, are you trying to turn Luka Doncic into a scorer or are you letting him uh, do his thing, facilitate, score? Or are you just saying, all right, if Luka beats us uh, and he drops 50, drops 60, he beats us? Um, I like the question. It's more of, you know, the Spurs did that way back in the day with Steve Nash, where they just let him score and it ended up working out well. I would say, you know, early on in the game, yeah, maybe you just try to get, let Luca get his, because especially, I would say, because it seems like, like I said, when Porzingis is not involved in the offense, he's not scoring. I think he gets removed from the game a lot more than other all-star caliber players. I think he gets angry. I think he literally gets straight up annoyed on the court that he's not touching the ball enough. I think that, you know, he doesn't put in as much effort and it, it goes the opposite way too. I think when he starts scoring well and he, when he crushes it, he, his effort is there. It's great. Like, you know, he's, he becomes a different player, but you know, you can't be Porzingis. You can't play 36 minutes, shoot four for 13. So you don't do well there have one assist and four rebounds and you're seven four rebounds man yeah like you're seven two like like come on like maxi kleber had nine yeah kleber had nine finney smith had more than had five freaking (laughs) melly had four rebounds in nine minutes like it can't be happening and i also it's just like is it just i guess it's like brooke lopez syndrome kind of you know brooke lopez when he was on the nets like over seven footer, like seven foot one around. Bro. No, that's different. Brooke Lopez, teams rebounder. rebounded better with Brooke Lopez on the floor. He actually boxed. He was like one of the league leaders in like box outs or something. He actually was a major net positive on the glass, even though he wasn't grabbing boards. Kind of like Steven Adams. Yeah, but I, the only thing, the only, the only counter I'm having in my own head is that Luca grabs like 10 rebounds a game in these. Yeah, true, but, true, true. So like, that's like the counter. It's like kind of, you know, where he takes away from the big men's rebounds but still if, still if you're Porzingis you would think you want him to have that mentality of give me the ball get out of the way I'm grabbing this you know which he doesn't always have he doesn't always have that fire yeah I feel like I saw him kind of force the issue and try to get himself going in game one I want to see Porzingis get some more easy baskets I want to see him. I don't want to know. I don't. I don't know if I want to necessarily see him closer to the basket because I'm not sure he's that type of player. But you know, I I, I want them looking for him early on and and making sure he's getting some nice easy looks to get him going. 
Yeah, I'll agree with that. I think, uh, I mean, easier said than done, right? But, you know, I think if they can, like, that is something they should 100% be looking for. Like, Porzingis, you get his confidence going, you have, you get a different player. You get a guy that's capable of dropping 30 plus, but, you know, like, if his shots doesn't fall early on, sometimes you get just a, a shell of him. What do you think, Mike? What do you think about the Clippers? What do you think about their chances? Who do you think is taking home this series? Believe it or not, I do think the Clippers got worse from last year to this year. On paper, it looks like they got better. I don't think the coaching change from Doc Rivers to Tyron Lue was an upgrade by any means. I felt like that was more service to Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. I also don't understand why they were trying to duck the Lakers. Sorry why they were trying to duck the Lakers and face a team that they almost lost to last year. If, and honestly, I think if the, if Kristaps Porzingis played last year in the series, they probably would have lost to last year. And I think we were all reminded of that after their first game. I, uh, I don't know personally. Um, I, it could just be a bad game. After all, I have to make the same exact argument as I did for the Lakers as I am for the Clippers. Maybe they come out and make some adjustments for game two and they do things a little differently and they beat Luka uh, and the Mavericks. But I can't help but feel like this year is a little bit different. Luka might be like burning a little bit after losing the series last year. And I do actually think that the Mavericks might end up pulling this off. So I could be wrong, you know, um, but I just see way too many holes on the Clippers team. And I trust I don't the Lakers. Know. It more. depends if we see. That's what I'll say. I do too. I trust the Lakers more they to made, make adjustments. Yes, exactly. Last year, the reason why the Clippers lost to the Nuggets was because they failed to make adjustments. And I don't know, maybe Tyron Lue embraces analytics a little bit more than Doc Rivers. We have to give him a chance, am I right? But historically, I don't think he's ever been that type of coach. He's been a very he's been a supportive coach. He's been a motivational coach. He's a guy that people like, but I don't really perceive Tyron Lou as this like master tactician that says, oh, OK, we got to come in next game and make X and Y adjustments. Well, um, so, I don't think so wait, I also wait. Quick point. Wait, quick point. Quick point. While I'm on Tyron, Tyron quick point. Sorry. And then, uh, sorry. Um, I just want to say that. Yeah, I agree with the tactician part and also. I mean, if you look at, I've been reading, you know, some articles recently about Kawhi Leonard, whether uh, whether he's going to stay or go. If you look, there's some, you know, huge uh, words about Tyron Lue. And basically, a lot of people are just praising him because he's able to keep guys like Kawhi Leonard in check. Where like he's able to, you know, last year we heard a bunch of rumblings about how Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, they would be late to the plane, you know, they were on their own time. It sounds like that's not the case anymore. It sounds like Tyron Lue has like, you know, righted that ship and has gotten them to, you know, be more buying into the system and like, okay, you might be the star, but you have to lead by example. But I mean, that only goes so far. Like, like I am very interested to see the changes they make and the game planning that goes on for this game too because we know rick carlisle you know he always has something going on he always is perfectly capable of changing up the game plan and making things very difficult for the clippers so let's see if tyloo can do the same thing sorry Coop, what were so you saying? with with 
with Lou. I'm, I'm not the biggest Lou guy, not not close to being the biggest Lou guy, but um, I actually got in an argument with the Pelicans beat, beat writer uh, this summer when, you know, the Pelicans were looking I'm for what? a coach and uh, what's up on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, I got into an argument because I was basically mad that the Pelicans were interviewing um, failed coaching candidates. And this guy was like, well, Lou's not a failed coaching candidate. And I'm like, no, he's he's not. You know, me personally, I just like to see um, new talent come into the league and get opportunities as opposed to somebody like Van Gundy, who's failed in the past and at their last stop. But that's a that's another topic. So uh, we got into it. And uh, while we were arguing, he was like, well, um, Tyron Lou's not failed. Tyron Lou is uh, a lot of people give Tyron Lou the credit for making some adjustments with the Cavs and um, LeBron on guarding Stephen Curry and a lot of players. Kevin Love being one of them actually cited Tyron Lue's adjustments in the playoffs is one of the biggest reasons they were able to go on and win a championship. Because if I remember correctly, those Cavs team, that, that Cavs team was not a good regular season team defensively. But in the playoffs, they did what they had it to they had to do to get the job done. So So you're so you're saying that he is good at making adjustments. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that maybe we're not giving Lou enough credit. I definitely think the Clippers are going to bounce back game two. And uh, I, I look forward to seeing. I mean, I, I even think just putting Kawhi on Luka is big. So, you know, I, I can't wait to see how that turns out. We need to see more out of Kawhi, man. Honestly, like the X Factor in the series might just end up being is Kawhi Leonard playing like the superstar that, you know, he was during the Toronto Raptors run, or is he playing a little bit of a level down like he played this season? You know, he still is great, still at that start, like, you know, fringe superstar level, but hasn't been that exact guy that is that number one option on a championship leading team. We haven't seen that right now. You know, we didn't see game one, so I'm interested to see if we see game two. He wasn't bad game one at all, but. Uh, yeah, but I, I mean, I'd say Luca outplayed him. What do you think about Laurie Markkinen saying that he wants to team up with Luca? Uh, first of all, I would like to fit. I would like to point out that a lot of people just immediately that that got a lot of attention, like more than it would, because people are just claiming that it's racist because there's just three like European guys together. Um, I don't think it's racist. I know for a fact because I was. I, I've been a Bulls fan, so like I know Lowry was has been like at least talking to or like you know friendly with Luca for a long time. Like they just happen to both be you know overseas guys that are coming to the NBA. Like I don't think there's anything racist about that. They're just they both were you know raised in the same basketball environment. Um, Lowry definitely wanted Luca on the Bulls. Like Luke, the Bulls were in the lottery. You know they had a chance again. Like I've mentioned before, they could have got that number two pick that the Kings got. They got extremely unlucky, lost the coin flip, and the Kings ended up... They actually won the coin flip, and the Kings ended up getting the number two pick. But, yeah, so I just think... I just think Lowry wants to play with Luka, end of the day. I don't even know how much uh, Porzingis factors into that, really. But, like Coop said, terrible fit. Like, how is that going to work? We're already complaining about Porzingis's lack of mobility about his inability to defend, about his inability to rebound. Lowry has 
Like at one point, I was the biggest Lowry fan and I wanted him to succeed so badly. And I think, you know, if he goes to the right situation, I think he will be better. I don't think the Bulls are the best situation for him. However, like him and Porzingis as a, your team's front court, like, are you trying to give up 140 points per game? I don't know. And also, like we've mentioned before, we want to see Luca with more of a pick and roll threat. Some guy he could run the pick and roll with, throw laps to get some more easy, like, you know, easy assists, like have a rim protector there. That does not give you that at all. And Lowry is has straight up said that he is looking for a bigger role and he is looking to fulfill his potential. So this is a man who's going to be coming in. He, he wants to be launching about like 14, 15 shots a game. So yeah, those are all the reasons I don't like the fit. To play the other side of things, um, you know, <laughs> I don't think this is necessarily an argument, but, but do any of you guys uh, disagree with the fact that Mark Cuban prefers European talent? I, I personally, I could understand why it comes off a specific way. All right. But I don't, I think. Mike, before you go any further, I'm going to read you this quote from Mark Cuban. Um, He says, it's important because you're used to being older than you. But I think he just learned. I think he's talking about Luca here. He just learned how to play basketball. And that's the biggest gift when you're gifted as he is. And you actually learn to play the game. If you look at the basketball education of kids starting at 11 years old in Europe and particularly uh, uh, Slovenia, which is basketball oriented, if we took our best kids and seven years before there are McDonald's All-Americans, we sent them over to Slovenia to get an education, the league would be a thousand times better. They just learn how to play basketball while while our guys learn how to taunt and put together mixtapes. Ooh, okay. See... That, that's such a rough quote because I honestly could like stand with him right until the end where he completely ruined everything he said. Like that sounds racial to me. Yeah, that does, I don't love that at all. That sounds horrible. Uh, I, yeah, that's that's horrible. Why did he say that end part? If he didn't say that end part, because I could say I could go with the fact that if you're 11 years old, okay, and you're literally like over there overseas, they you. You get, you can be signed to like Real Madrid's. Yeah, um, yeah, youth yeah. Program. I'll agree with you there. And so, like, you go, you're in Real Madrid, Real Madrid's youth program. You're literally learning what it means to be a professional on and off the court. You're playing professional basketball your whole like life. Like, you know, you're in a more like like a better like system for you to succeed. Like, it's been proven to work. So I understand what he's saying, like in terms of that. But I don't know. He he made it like weird definitely then like that definitely sounds yeah, it's like a very racial flight mike what are your thoughts on that on that quote from a uh, cuban you know originally i defended him when you gave me the first quote a couple weeks ago about the you know walking on the street with a hood but i gave him benefit of the doubt um but i don't know man when, when you add all this up it's a little sketchy here's the thing here's the thing with mark cuban i don't think he has like racial like intentions 
But I do think that he's established this knack of being controversial that it's kind of like flanderization, but in real life where he goes out of his way to say wild controversial things. I all, I did pay attention to the fact that he tends to favor European players. And to be honest, I kind of liked it in the sense that I felt like it's good for the expansion of the game. Like the fate, yeah, like the fate of the game is literally re uh, resting upon the NBA being able to expand overseas and draw the attention from like Latvia, Slovenia, China, et cetera, et cetera. And like he had, he had Germany and Canada in his previous generation of players with Steve Nash and Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah, I don't think he has racial intentions. Rather, I feel like he really just likes to take the controversial route. It could be like he has this little complex that, hey, I'm a billionaire. I don't care. I'm bulletproof. Um, Personally, I think I, but, that's what I think. Like, I think he's just like, like, I think he's that, you know, grandpa kind of figure says something and it's just like, you know, like, okay, like, oh, there's grandpa saying something that's semi-racist. You know, not that I have a grandpa like yeah. that. I don't even have a grandpa. So I'm not, I'm not exposing my own grandpa here. You know, I've, my RIP, both my grandpas, but um, I'm just saying like, you know, it's like kind of that like older person thing where it's like, oh, he said something and it's like, oh, maybe he's out of touch with the culture. But the thing is, I'm not going to defend Mark Cuban at all because he's definitely in touch with the culture. He is literally an NBA basketball owner. Like, get out of here. You know exactly what you're saying. Choose your words more carefully. And I, it even sucks to even have to say that because if I'm saying choose your words more carefully, that means that those words are still inside of you and that the person that you are is just being revealed to us through your own words. So yeah, that those words definitely made me lose some respect. For yeah, for um, sure. there's just no reason to say the end quote. And you know, he's a businessman. He knows what he's saying. He's not yeah. new to being interviewed. He's not new to these situations. I'll admit, I am not a fan of AAU culture at all. I'm not. And Coop, you've had experience in the AAU. So you are probably the best person to talk about this. Uh, I really didn't like AAU basketball that much. Um, a lot of coaches I played for were just opportunists, opportunists trying to take advantage of like the kids. I remember um, our coach had one kid. Um, it's actually actually one of my best friends. He actually ended up getting him a scholarship, so you know, good for him. But uh, he would pretty much make my friend like cut grass with him in order to like attend games, and it was just like obviously he's not you know paying him what he deserves obviously like it's just like cheap labor and you Wait, know what? the mom looks at it the mom looks at it like oh well you know it's a family friend or like this guy's in our corner when you know obviously he's just trying to profit off of the kids and you know i, I mean i i've witnessed it so many times where they charge different kids different rates and it's kind of like becoming a pay to play in some situations uh yeah aau basketball the whole business side of it is disgusting um the basketball side of it isn't great but you know at the end of the day it does get kids some looks so uh, i i guess i do kind of enjoy it at least for what it could for for the positives that it could bring i'm interested in what the overtime you guys have seen that overtime basketball league um where they're going to be paying uh players i'm not exactly sure the full details of like what they're paying. i didn't i didn't i didn't see that but there's did a, you yeah. see that there's a there's a high school player foregoing their senior season in high school 
to go right to the G League. Yes, so he's playing two years in the G League for the Ignite, which I think is uh, huge because, yeah, I mean, that that kind of leads the door open for that, which is cool. I mean, I think he's going to be a good, I, I mean, you don't love to say test case, but kind of test case because we'll see how does that work out. Man, how does it work out when you go I, two years in the G League? I can tell you after four years of high school basketball, I learned nothing. Like, it was just an absolute waste of time for me. Like it's just it was just a pointless experience, you yeah. Know? You so have I could to imagine with these. Yeah, I was just, I was just saying you have to imagine. Yeah, you're the, by your, you know, there's a certain amount that high school coaches could teach you compared to literally some of the best coaches in the world. I mean, the best thing I probably learned was like the step through move or something. You know, the best thing I probably got from high school was shooting practice, other than conditioning and crap. So I could imagine these five star prospects feeling like they're not getting anything from the high school system. Given the fact that you were exploited, though, I mean, not you, but your friend was exploited during his experience in AAU. I do see that side of what Mark Cuban is saying. Like you take a young kid and instead of putting him in a situation where he's mowing someone's lawn, which, you know, like pay someone else to do it, get someone else to do it. This is an 11 year old kid, you know, like I was talking to one of my friends the other day and I was saying like, I am so familiar with like various SpongeBob SquarePants clips because I watched it like crazy when I was like eight years old or like 10 years old, or I don't know, even younger. And I kind of wish that like, there was something better on TV that like kind of would have contributed to my development a little bit more. So in that sense, I kind of see where Mark Cuban's coming from because you take these 11 year old kids and you put them, I don't know, in Slovenia. It doesn't even have to be Slovenia. It could be anything that will contribute to their development a little bit more, make them, uh, which results in them making better decisions as basketball players. Maybe they're better at managing their finances. We know how many horror stories we hear of basketball players like, purchasing a mansion that's like i don't know over five million dollars they end up getting destroyed by property taxes the moment they're out of the league they no longer could afford it obviously you have success stories like kevin durant who is on the verge of becoming a billionaire or is a billionaire but that's that's besides the point the system could use reform reformation for sure and i think that's why we're starting to see situations like the g league ignite or, you know, LeVar Ball tried the JBA yeah. and Overtime's apparently doing their basketball league as well. Yeah, I was sorry. I, so I pulled up Overtime's basketball league. <clears throat> I, uh, I, if you don't know fully about it. Um, so listen, so here's what Overtime is doing, which is pretty cool. So they have a league where they're eyeing. They just got two. Um, they just got uh, Matt Booley and Ryan Booley. I'm not sure if I'm saying their last names right. Uh, they are two five-star prospects, junior and a senior, uh, obviously brothers, but they just got those two guys. Those are their first two huge gets. And so the overtime league is eyeing prospects ages 16 to 18, and we'll have up to 30 players and possibly several teams. They're going to be training year round. They're going to be playing games against American prep schools and international teams. And they've promised to provide six figure salaries for all players. Keep in mind, these guys are 16 to 18, along with full health care, an academic program, and guarantees of up to an additional $100,000 to use for college costs. So this could be a huge, huge step in the direction of, you know, these 16-year-olds suddenly, okay, I'm done. Like, you know, I'm a pro. Like, I'm being raised to be a pro. 
you know, I'm go I'm taking that step. So I definitely am excited to watch the overtime basketball league. Um, I'm excited to see the future of that along with the G League night. I think those two things combined are, you know, giving guys options that they didn't have in the past. It's really like if you're 16 years old and you're good enough to make money playing basketball, uh, if you live in basically any country other than the United States, you can do that. But right now, like you weren't, you wouldn't be able to. But so it seems like the, M the G League and overtime, you know, they're creating opportunities, which is awesome. Um, I would say the only other thing that was on my mind was uh, with the 11 year old kids. See, I bet you there's a dark side to that that we don't really hear much about either. Because, yeah, we know the Lucas, we know the guys that went through the system and made it out and are, you know, the super successful ones. We don't know the, the kids that got forced into an 11 year old basketball program and to train year round and everything. And then were 14 and weren't good enough anymore or just hate basketball and don't want to do this anymore. And kind of, you know, we're in a literal like, I mean, it's kind of like, uh, like, I don't know how structured it is, but sending an 11 year old over and making, making him part of a not like a huge professional brand basketball team. I, I guess you could see that as extreme. I mean, I know I made a video about this in China and th there's definitely levels to this because in China, they literally take their top athletes, at least they used to. I don't know what's going on anymore, but they used to do this. It was called Project Something, right? They would take their top men's men's and women's basketball players, let's say, or volleyball players. They decided they wanted to win Olympic gold medals and have amazing athletes. And so they literally would be like, okay, you guys breed, basically. Like, that's the only way to really put it. They would breed their top athletes and have them marry and everything. Like, Yao Ming's mom and dad are the result of an arranged marriage by the Chinese government that and they were the tallest men's and women's basketball players. And that's why he's so tall. So a little bit of a side tangent, a little crazy. But yeah, all I'm saying is we don't we don't see the other side of the kids that don't end up making it out or don't end up succeeding when they're playing. That's you know, that's actually crazy what you just said about Yao Ming. Um, my thing is, I think there has to be a balance. Um, yeah. But to touch on the overtime thing that you said, I think that's definitely good. I know a lot of people ragged on the JBA. The JBA was not the greatest league on the planet. Nobody is ever going to argue that it was. Um, I don't know if you guys actually caught any JBA games. I actually, uh, I was bought I into the not. big baller hype. So uh, I, I <laughs> caught a few. I was, I was watching Jello drop 50, man. Don't, hey, don't play with me, bro. I know Flight Mike. I know you watched some of them. I know you watched some of them. I definitely did. I definitely did. <laughs> I, 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 I did MVP not. of the league. Bro, oh, it was such a poor brand of basketball. Like, literally, like, LA Fitness Hoops. Yeah. I, I so want to know what happened to the best JBA players, honestly. I'm, I'm actually going to look that up after. Dude, make uh, a video. Make, what what, what happened to the JBA? But, honestly, yeah, yeah, you, you, that is a chance to bang. But, yeah, um, I, I think I will. I'll say overtime. But, they have investors. I just want to point this out too, as you're bringing this up, because you know it was uh, Lavar was you know obviously the main guy pushing JBA. Uh, Overtime's investors for this league include Amazon founder Jeff Bezos, Drake, Yo, Kevin Durant, Trey Young, Clay Thompson, Yo. Anthony. So they've got names. They've got guys pushing this. If you got Drake, Jeff Bezos, 
freaking KD, Trey, Melo. That, that's like, gonna be the sponsors for our pod one day. No, no, no cap. Yeah. No cap. Overtime. Um Shout but out to over. add on to what I was saying about the JBA, uh, I do believe the JBA helped bring change. And I do think some of these players going overseas forced the NBA to kind of loosen the 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 G League rule and bring on that G League program. So with this overtime thing, you know, I'm st- I'm kind of wondering if this is going to force the NBA's hand yet again. I wish they were um, more progressive and aggressive with this type of stuff on their own. But uh, ultimately, yeah, I see. This, Say it's a first step overtime. because so here's a quote: "The beauty of overtime is you take guys like Matt Ryan, all right, so the guys that just uh, agreed to play in this, and you turn them into pros, but they're not playing against grown men in the G League." They'll be competing against guys their age, which gives them a great opportunity to continue to develop. And there's money set aside that guarantees four years of college if they get hurt or don't get to the NBA. So, sounds pretty great to me, honestly, you know? Sounds pretty utopian, actually. Yeah, right? Like, honestly, like, literally, they're like, okay, yeah, we've, we, we've, we're going to, you know, have classes too. Like, they're not just like, they're professional athletes, but they're also, they go to class. And if it doesn't work out, boom, they can go to college. So, I wanted to uh, ask you guys about something else that has been dominating headlines over the past week before we end the pod. Um, So the number one overall pick in the 2001 NBA draft, Kwame Brown. This guy has had quite possibly one of the greatest starts to a social media influencer career that I think I have ever seen. Like, I think at the time that we're making this video, his YouTube channel, Kwame Brown Bust Life, which is literally the name of his channel, is at 202,000 subscribers, all gained within the past two, well, no, we're going to start from the 17th, all gained from the past eight days. So... We want this podcast to blow up, right? I know where this is going. Yes, I'm listening. We want a lot of clout, right? Of course, of course. All right, is anybody right now just trying to go out there, throw a haymaker at Kwame? I mean, Korzemba, this is you, bro. I think this is Korzemba. This is me, dude. I don't know. I don't know enough. I honestly don't know enough. You don't know enough. You don't know enough. You don't know what's going on? Dude, I swear to God, I haven't been following it. The only thing I can say about Kwame Brown is that, I mean... I mean, what he's saying with Michael Jordan is pretty true. It's pretty, I mean, if you look at any of the lists, when Michael Jordan took over the Wizards, basically took Kwame Brown number one. And then Michael Jordan is, you can't even say he's a tough love guy. He is so much more than that. He is basically like, you either match my competitiveness or I vanquish you, but you're my teammate. Like, like that's how he works. Like he would, if you were not strong enough mentally to play with him, he wanted you gone. So he tried that on Kwame Brown. He tried it on Kwame Brown. Kwame Brown's an 18 year old high school kid who, you know, guys get coached differently. Not every guy responds well to getting screamed at in their face. Who had been through a lot, who had been through a lot. Michael Jordan went way further. Michael Jordan would embarrassed the shit out of him purposely like would in go out of his way to dunk on Kwame Brown you know in scrimmages and then in front of everyone just like throw the ball away and be like go get it pussy like fuck you you're a little bitch like you'll never be good in this NBA like screaming cursing at him being like 
fuck you, you suck. Dunk on him, score on him again. Be like, you're trash, you're a bust. Like, you know, this is a guy, that was Michael Jordan's way of making Kwame Brown great, you know? Because some guys respond to that. Some guys go, you know what, fuck this, fuck Jordan. You know, I'm gonna fucking, next next time down the court, I'm taking him, taking him, I'm bodying him. Kwame Brown did not work out at all. He became, he, he became afraid of Michael Jordan, I would say. And now, you know, he's speaking out. He's got all of this, but like, okay, it's, it's too little too late, but you, I can't really fully blame him because the man was 18 years old and suddenly you have Michael Jordan. You've been watching Michael Jordan your whole life. Like, okay, this is Wizards Michael Jordan. So you literally watched prime Michael Jordan your whole life be a God amongst men, basically. And now he's in your face and you're like, okay, I get to play with Michael Jordan. That's crazy. That's amazing. And he's not only in your face, he's like, you're a pussy and everyone knows it. And everyone is just silent watching. Like there are stories of him just stopping practice basically and getting up into his face and being like pointing and being like, you're a pussy, you're a bitch. You'll never be anything in this NBA. You'll, I mean, in the league, you'll never be anything. You know, you should quit right now. And like shoving a ball in his face, fucking almost swinging at him. Like, he went off on him and Kwame Brown never recovered, never recovered. It's kind of funny because like, I'm sure some people are like watching this saying LeBron would never, but LeBron literally like kind of did the same thing. Like teams up with goes to the Lakers, Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart, you know, like Brandon Ingram, all super excited to play with their idol. And LeBron's like trying to trade them saying, where's Dave McMenamin? Where's Shams? Where's Woj? Where's the trade for Anthony Davis? So I'm sure it's not as toxic, but like. It was, you know, I don't think like, it was one tenth this toxic, but I see what you're saying. Yeah. Kobe, if yeah, anything, yeah. had a little toxicity when he was going up against, you know, Jeremy Lin, if you remember, you know, he, he was like, Kobe had some moments in practices where I think he like really came at guys. But with Michael Jordan and Kwame Brown, I know, like I knew this go before any of this happened. You know, I've known this for a while. Like it was relentless. Like he, it was day in and day out. He's bullying the man. There's no, there's nothing else you can say other than he's bullying and hazing him basically. And it's like, no one can check Michael Jordan. He's Michael Jordan. So no one was gonna step, stand up there and be like, yo, MJ, you know, chill a little, you know, he's just a kid. No one said that. So basically it became Kwame Brown, you know, felt like he had, he had nobody and he wasn't performing on the court. And <laughs> moral of the story, I think, is if, so, if you were not born for that, if you were not born to be like that, like you did not want Michael Jordan on your team. But you could say the same thing of that. It just, it wasn't built in Kwame Brown's DNA to be tough enough to, to succeed in the league at that point like because yeah he was 18 yeah he was young sure he plays the center position he he's you gotta bang down there you gotta you have to do that face that shit all the time like yeah michael jordan's talking to you so is kevin so, garnett you yeah. know like people people talk everyone talks so if you know if you can't deal with it in practice like yeah was it extreme was it crazy extreme yeah but Maybe it just also was like, you know, a thing where it just never was going to work out with Bobby Brown because he wasn't built for it mentally. So there's a lot more to the story than just Michael Jordan, by the way. Um, this all started with, uh, I'm sure you guys know of our esteemed competition in the podcast community, the All the Smoke podcast. I'm sure you're aware. 
So the All the Smoke podcast, like which sarcastic. is a podcast that features map. What? Me? Sarcastic? Never. Um, so the All the Smoke podcast brings on Genie Bus. And there's this one point where Genie Bus like kind of reminisces about the Pau Gasol trade. And she's like, yeah, so, you know, we traded Mark Gasol and Kwame Brown. And then, like, Stephen Jackson and Matt Barnes, like, interrupt her and say, who? And she's like, Kwame Brown. And she's like, no, just Mark Gasol. And then they, like, hit each other and, like, start laughing. It's very, very, like, mild. Like, watching it, I don't, like, I could see how that sets someone off. And Kwame starts making this YouTube channel. And he just goes off at everybody. Like he goes off at Steve, like he goes off at Matt Barnes and the stuff he says about Matt Barnes is like, like it's insane. Like this, he starts roasting Matt Barnes saying, and I quote, you are insulting me because of my basketball uh, skills, but I'm going to insult you about your life. And what happened with you and Derek Fisher? And how do you feel about Derek Fisher with your ex-wife and your kids? Bro, like underrated like story. Going on. Very underrated story. Like I, 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 I that was crazy. Yeah, I, I heard that story and I'm like, okay, I gotta make a video about this because no one made a video on this. Um, and that's in progress. But he starts going off on Matt Barnes about that. Matt Barnes comes back out and says. Okay, Kwame, if you want, you can come on our show and we could box. And Kwame Brown, like, clowns him for that. He's, like, uh, starts calling him a fake tough guy, you know, just trying to pander to people. And this, this explodes into something bigger because then Kwame Brown comes out and says, my issue with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson is that Steven Jackson, I'm sure we know Steven Jackson's role, one year ago in, you know, the George Floyd protests, he was trying to uplift black people. And Kwame Brown comes out and calls Steven Jackson a fake because he claims that he's trying to uplift black people. But at the same time, here he is stepping on Kwame Brown. And this turns into something even bigger. He goes after Jamil Hill and Charlemagne de God. And his entire argument is that you guys proclaim that you're trying to uplift our community, but whenever Carmelo Anthony is down, you guys are kicking him down saying he can't play anymore. Whenever, and I'm assuming at this point, he's just addressing um, like media in general. Whenever Allen Iverson is down, you wrote him off automatically. And he's had this like, he starts going off pretty much on this like hour and a half long tangent calling out most prom most of the prominent figures in media pretty much proclaiming that they have been disappointing him as a whole and they have been fake and they've been pandering to what people want to hear and clickbaiting other individuals yeah i'm, I'm reading some art some quotes right now and um stephen jackson with potentially the biggest roast of the i don't uh your whole career was dirt your whole life is dirt and it ain't my job to pour more dirt on you like oh my god that is that is that is pretty funny like honestly that's that to me that is great that's crazy because it's like he he went out and directly insulted him calling him his whole life is dirt but then just goes but you're also not worth my time to pour more dirt on you so have a nice life 
Who, Steven Jackson said yes. that? Yeah, he came out and he said, like, yeah, you know, you're calling out, uh, you're calling me out for being at strip clubs all the time. Damn straight, I was at strip clubs all the time. I'm not proud of it, but I was there all the time. And I'm like, if you're not proud of it, why are you talking about it right now? Um, well, he's already up to it. I do see Kwame's. I mean, yeah, I guess. I do see Kwame's side. You know, I do understand because I, I do understand thinking that it's very petty because I haven't heard Kwame Brown's name in like, I don't know, almost a decade. So going out of your way just to take a cheap shot at someone that, okay, we know in comparison to a number one pick, he was a bit of a disappointment, but this guy had a career. You know, he had a 12-year right, career major in the NBA. Let's not underrate how big of a bust he was. He was a huge bust. I mean, yeah, he was a bust. Okay, he was a mega bust. He's an all-time bust. He's he, probably top 10. Okay, but at the same time, you put him in this... He's able to... He was able to at least prolong his career. He's not Anthony Bennett's status of bust. He wasn't out of the league after a year well, or that, two. That's top he bounced three. Around as a but directly drafted right after Kwame Brown was Tyson Chandler and Pau Gasol. So, uh, I don't know, Coop. What do you think about the Kwame Brown situation? For one, I think it's fire that Kwame was able to somehow grab and control his own narrative. Because now it's like, yeah, he was a bust, blah, 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 blah. But people aren't looking at Kwame as like necessarily like just this bust anymore. Everybody's looking at him like as this hysterical media figure who now put their mom or not now but uh did great things for their mom did great things for their family and like everybody has completely just flipped on how they view kwame brown i know people that are like waiting for like his next live at this very moment which just sounds so ridiculous to say in 2021 and to be honest with you guys i thought some of the hype would start to die down by now but it feels like it's only getting bigger like his YouTube channel, like he's actually been uploading videos for a minute. I don't know if you guys have went down uh, his YouTube channel, but like he's had this YouTube channel, Kwame Brown Bus Life, for I'm pretty sure over a year. And he's been uploading videos that were getting like 300, 400, maybe a good video grabs like a thousand views to now everything this guy touches is getting like a hundred thousand, 200,000 views. And it's gotten to the point. I'm like, what does Kwame Brown talk about for two hours? on ig live or youtube like how are people this tuned in but you know at the same time i get it uh every clip i've seen him of him has been absolute comedy but he's got I some mean, great titles they're pretty funny i think <laughs> Boy, i think they're actually quite, damn i think they're actually quite intelligent believe it or not yeah some of them are hysterical you know typically like rants after a while i'm like okay we're over this he delivers very legitimate points and he really like, it seems like his messages have a purpose. And after watching his content, I come away with something. I'm like, wow, you know, I never saw this from Kwame Brown's perspective. I never, you know, I never saw this from Kwame's perspective. And he kind of like, at the same time, he's still putting up Stack and uh, Matt Barnes because he says, listen, like you guys have this gigantic platform and it's your responsibility to like lift us up and you're putting and you're putting down someone that hasn't been relevant in what a decade yeah so you're like it's like i'll agree with that so like i feel like for sure like i think i guess the point you were trying to make before when you were saying the uh, whole bus thing 
like he did still play in the league. Like, yeah, I, for sure, credit to Kwame Brown for, you know, even if he was a bust, you know, he played a while in the league. Great for him, you know, made his money and everything. I also definitely agree with the point that he's making in general is like, it's kind of more like, you know, on like Twitter culture or even like, you know, guys like, like I'll say myself, like even like, you know, to throw like a joke or like about Kwame Brown being a bust or whatever. Like you hear the NBA, you hear them refer to themselves like as a brotherhood. They'll say that. They'll be like, you know, like, oh, like, you know, the NBA, like brotherhood, like kind of thing. So it, it definitely... I'm I'm right with him when when former NBA players for no reason are just dragging his name when he had, hasn't done anything other than he didn't perform at the expectations that were set for him when he was 18 years old. So it's like I agree. Yeah, it's it's kind of strange. It's like shut up, you know. If he was doing something, you know, weird like if or if he was like in trouble like off the court or whatever, like yeah, sure at that point, but yeah, to bring up his name for no reason to drag him. He's every he's every bit in the right. And it's just you guys are right too with like he's played this so well that it's just part like he's made it into like a situation that's become very advantageous for himself, which is impressive. To be on the Honestly, if I'm go for it, Coop. To be on the other side of things, like uh I don't want to say they like really like dragged him for like completely no reason. You know, like they, they were podcasting. They got in a light little joke. Like, you know, it was uh, it was kind of the move to joke on Kwame for the longest of times. I don't think honestly, I, I mean, it was a disrespectful joke, you know, but I don't think it was like the worst joke. I don't think it warranted Kwame um, coming after Matt. Barnes it was like life. this one like, thing like this, like was the snap moment. I wonder why. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It was like one like, of those. Is there more things, to this, but, uh, though? That's what I wonder. Like, is there more to why this set him off after this many years? And then because to be you, honest with you know, you, Greg Oden's here and shit. You know, you know, Anthony Bennett's here and shit. You know, bro, these all these guys hear stuff. Can we can we send these guys invites to the pod, to, by the way? To, like, we got to get the next Kwame Brown over here. To be fair, Let's too, like Greg Matt Oden Barnes on. really like what did Matt Barnes like just laugh? Like that was his whole involvement. And Kwame just like <laughs> came after this guy. Yeah. Like Matt Barnes really didn't do anything. Like to be fair, like he was just like, yeah, haha, funny joke, bro. And like and like laughed. And then Kwame like starts talking about this guy's wife and affair. And it's like, yo, all right, have you ever man. seen? Have you ever seen those videos? Um, they're on Reddit, and sometimes or you'll just see it on Twitter, and it's like justice served or something. And like you'll just see that there's like some kid getting picked on. And he gets picked on and he's getting picked on in this video. And next thing you know, he's just knocking out a bully. Like he's just literally throwing like a haymaker and it's like, oh my God, this kid came out of nowhere. And it's like, you know, that guy's been getting picked on for like eight years of his school life. And now boom, he just snaps. Like you just, I just feel like that's what it feels like to me. It's like Kwame just like started seeing red. Like he just was like, this is enough. You know, finally, boom, this is enough. And he came back, guys, and oh my god! I mean, it's been been entertainment. I was just gonna say, I wonder how he got word of the podcast. I wonder if like he was watching all the smoke, like that's just the podcast that he tunes into, or he saw a clip. That'd be so bad. He's like, That'd be so bad. And he's like, you know what? Today is the mother effing day, man. Like, 
Like, you know, goes on a little run, you know, like runs up the steps, like, yeah, like it's, cracks like two raw eggs, drinks the raw eggs, like slams it down. Dude, yeah. uh, he was smoking a hookah too, like he's like so. Um, yeah, I mean, here's the thing: the one thing I would like to see, I, I have tons of love for Matt Barnes. I think the way he's handling the situation is how you should handle the situation if you're in media. Steven Jackson, at least my perception of him historically is he's always just taken a temporary side that benefits him, you know, like for the time, this is what makes me look good. This is what I'm going to say, you know, so in that instance, I kind of do side with Kwame over Steven because I've seen this happen with Steven Jackson a couple of times. So I don't know if I'm ESPN. I'm running after this guy because, dude, you guys just lost Kenny Maine. You know, you got Kendrick Perkins and he's doing well for you guys. You, you guys lost Skip Bayless. You're running a after years ago. Kwame Brown. Kwame Brown. Yeah, I'm signing Kwame signing Brown, bro. Kwame I, Brown. As an analyst, are you kidding me? Bro, he's, bro, he's, he's, like, he's getting canceled in less than a week. <laughs> he seems like a wild card. I will say that. I will say. He seems. He seems, uh, bro. He has Disney written all yeah, over him. I don't know what you're you talking about. There's no way. Video, if you actually, <laughs> if you actually go down his YouTube channel, he's got some wild titles. This guy will be off the air in a week. However, man. Barstool, I, you know, you never know with Barstool. Man, may, maybe Barstool, maybe Barstool. Will, Barstool's uh, got give a, him a shot. Or, but I don't think he wants to work for Barstool. anybody. He said he likes his his uh, his little farm and he yeah, doesn't have to answer him, to anybody. Got, you know, as long as he manages money somewhat well, like he. Like how much money do you make? You make definitely you know, tens of millions. All right, yeah, but if if I'm Matt Barnes though, I, we gotta fight. Like it's it's no, like if we could set up a fight, like who's taking that? Uh, who's Matt Barnes? He, like, Kwame like, Brown. Wait, guess how much money Kwame Brown made in his career? Seventy million. Fifty million. Eighty million. Oh, stick with that seventy. It was sixty. Sixty-three. Sixty-four. That's that's a successful that's career. That's yeah. a great that's career, a, dude. He made sixty-four million dollars playing basketball. That's amazing. Yeah, that's a successful career. Shout here's the thing. Brown. At the end of the day, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And this is something that I really respect Russell Westbrook for. for. I think there's this one point and same exact thing. Russell Westbrook got on uh, and Stephen A. Smith. Russell Westbrook called out Stephen A. Smith for, hey, why are you bringing me down? We're supposed to be lifting each other up. And his girlfriend came out and said when Stephen A. I think he roasted Russell Westbrook about not winning a championship or something like that. His girlfriend came out and said, Russell Westbrook has made a ton of money. He's won an MVP. He's had three straight seasons where he's averaged a triple-double. Championship or not, this man's happy. You know, he lives a good life. He is financially stable for the rest of his life. He has a loving family. Life is good. And the one thing I took away from that is if you keep living your life trying to please other people, you're never going to win. Say like LeBron James, he's probably like LeBron James is on this quest to probably prove that he's greater than Mike, uh, Michael Jordan. And we're not getting into a goat debate, but that's probably what's his manifest destiny. He wants to win more. He said it, dude. Honestly, he put together. What did he say? He said he was chasing that ghost in Chicago. It was, it was a cool line. Honestly. So chilling. So. So at the end of the day, like no matter what Kwame would have achieved in his career, no matter what Russell Westbrook achieves in his career, no matter whatever anyone achieves in their career, ex even LeBron, if LeBron wins eight championships and becomes the all-time scoring champ, there's going to be that group of people that are still going to say, well, Michael Jordan was better because X, Y, and Z reason. Yeah, but so, okay. Like, at the end of the You're being crazy here. I have to say you're being insane. 
All right. First of all, I'm first just, of all, I'm just giving it first of all, no, I'm, I'm, con- I ridiculous. First of all, Kwame Brown basically had no fans. All right, we're going Russell Westbrook and, and LeBron have so many fans. All right, that you know, like Kwame Brown's scrolling through his timeline and all he's seeing is you fucking bum, you bust. Like you know, that's all he see- was seeing. You know, now of course things have flipped because he's you know people are loving what he's doing. But I'm saying before that, his whole playing career, everything. You know, really no fans. Russell Westbrook, you know, not the same thing. LeBron, not the same thing. In terms of Stephen A, like, you know, saying something about Russell Westbrook, I mean, yeah, you could say, like, I I don't want to, you know, drag Russ at all. Love Russ. Recently been doing great. You know, I've I've had, I've, you know, said some things, you know, that were about critical about him before. But I will say that at the end of the day, I mean, Stephen A. Smith's job is literally to, you know, if a player has a bad performance, he talks about it, you know, like that is what sports media is. That is what keeps the sport more interesting. If we're being honest, if we were, if this was all just like, you know, cookie cutter, you know, second grade soccer league where they're, everyone's above criticism and don't talk bad about anyone, NBA would be way less interesting. So in terms of that, it's yeah, Stephen A. Smith has a job to do and his job is to make the league more interesting to get views to get ratings and so of when course Russell Westbrook, of course you know doesn't play as well as he as Stephen a maybe thinks he's capable of or if he thinks he's hurting his team he's gonna speak out on it and yeah you know russell westbrook personally 100 percent. you know us ourselves we get bad youtube comments we get comments that are like you know like horrible Oof. and yeah we get plenty Oof. and we we just have to you know like look at them and be like I can't, I'm not going to let this guy, I'm not going to let this hurt, this stranger bother me. Same kind of thing with Russ. So I think it goes both ways. You know, Russ has every right to just be like, I'm, I'm, I have a great life, great family. You know, I've been, I've been incredibly successful. I've done amazing things, but Stephen A also think perfectly in the right, you know, to be, I don't think everyone should be lifting everyone up. I think, you know, end of the day, sports media, like, especially with current players is, yeah, you know, you like people deserve to be talked about, you know, people deserve to be criticized because that's the job. Kwame Brown is a different story, brings all back because he's been out of the league. It's like, why are you even bringing him up? That's why I think that's different. That's why it's like, why bring Kwame Brown down? It's just, you're just taking a low blow cheap shot for no reason. So are you trying to say that we're, we're Kwame Brown's only fans? I'm trying to say, guys, submit clips to, only laced up fans at gmail.com.